Hello, everybody, and welcome to Five at the Back, your favorite soccer podcast. I'm here with Kyle, Jen, and myself, Eric. And usually this week, we start off with a lot of uh, great football action from a club level. But this time, we have a, for a little bit more of an international level because it is international break. And there are some great matches on the last couple of uh, days, weren't there, guys? Yeah, there was one match in particular that I think <laughs> shocked everybody. Um, and that would be the Portugal-Turkey game. No, I'm just joking with you. Um, <laughs> definitely uh, Italy losing, crashing out of the playoff finals. Uh, one nothing to North Macedonia. Parking the bus. Woohoo! And I think they scored like the 90th minute, some lazy defense and a couple passes on the field. And they kind of shot a late shot last second and it went in, I think, from what I saw. Yeah, so they North Macedonia scored in the first minute of five minutes of extra time. Um, so it was it was early, and it was I think Italy were just I think they were shocked to say the least. Everybody was, and um, it just they couldn't recover. So they are out. This is the second straight World Cup they are missing. Um, quite the accomplishment for the European champions. Yeah, I wonder how many times in history that's happened that the, the Euro champ misses the next um, World Cup. Uh, that would be an interesting stat to look up because they've missed a World Cup, they've won the European Championship, and now they've missed another World Cup. <laughs> World Cup. So. There we go. Well, Matt, North Macedonia, I mean, they were in the Euros. They were one of those you know, teams that people were like. And so the fact that they are able to string some wins together again to challenge for a spot in the World Cup has to be absolutely just super exciting for their squad. Yeah, I mean, you, they were the darlings of the, uh, the European Championships. They, fought valiantly at the European Championships. And um, it'll be interesting to see how they fare against Portugal, um, which is a nice little segue to say that Portugal also won their match today. Um, Eric, who'd they play? Portugal was playing, uh, let me see, Turkey, actually. So Portugal actually uh, was victorious 3-1 to one in a pretty good match. I did not see any of it, so I can't really commentate too deep on it. So um, nice to see the favorites Portugal move on with our guy Diogo Jota. He had a goal, so I was happy about that. So, of the other matchups, the the one that I kind of had coming across my um, like update screen stuff was the the game with Wales and Austria. So, um, if I remember correctly, I think Wales, even though the score line is two one, Wales scored all three. I think one of, I think Austria's goal was a own goal, um, if I remember correctly. But um, our Mr. Tottenham man bun extraordinaire was the, I believe, the the earner of a brace. Yes, and his first goal was a classic um, Gareth Bale free kick. It was, he's, one thing he's always been very good at um, throughout his career uh, when the ball is on the right side, uh, so the goalie's left. He's been very good at getting the ball up and down over the wall 
with absolute uh, absolute pace behind it, and today was no different. Um, the keeper had no chance of getting the ball, um, even if he had uh, dove, he wasn't getting uh, to the ball. So it was Gareth Bale spends his uh, season sitting on the bench at Madrid dreaming of playing golf, and then he comes in and uh, delivers a typical Welsh masterclass. So um, I think he's definitely going to be the key to Wales's success, both getting out of potentially getting out of the playoff final and then in Qatar if they are lucky enough to make the World Cup. Yeah, he's definitely a different animal playing for Wales rather than playing for his club. But he's played a whopping 270 minutes this year, but had a big impact in today's game despite that. So that's kind of cool. Yeah, I mean, he's Wales is not spoiled for choice like other countries are. Right. So, you know, Germany, it's next next man up. France, it's next man up. You know, England, next man up. You know, Wales have while they do have a large number of professional footballers, you do not have someone of Gareth Bale's class and skill just waiting in the wings for Wales. You know, he is, you know, he's no longer just the sole engine of that team because there are a lot of quality players on that team now, but he is what makes them go still, you know, he can bring others with them and they can contribute. But Mm -hmm. I think Gareth Bale is still going to be the major driving force behind uh, how far this Welsh national team can go. Yeah, well, and I would think, you know, because he is such a quality piece, you know, when he's on the pitch, it, you know, defenses are automatically going to know the threat he is, and that'll open up space for other guys because he pulls two or three defenders with him. So, um, yeah, it'll it'll be exciting. So who does Wales wind up playing in the next um, qualification thing? So Wales actually gets the winner of the Ukraine-Scotland match, which was postponed. Um, It's scheduled to be played at a later date. It was postponed for obvious reasons, unless you've been living under a rock. Um, Ukraine is currently in the middle of a a war with Russia. So um, that match has been postponed. One month. Um, Yeah. yeah. Today was the one-month anniversary. Yeah. So, so, uh, so the winner of Scotland, Ukraine will play Wales, uh, which speaking of Russia, um, Russia, Poland, the match was canceled. So Poland, by virtue of Russia not being able to compete, has moved on to the final one of the final pairings for the playoffs and they played the winner of the Sweden Czech Republic match, which was Sweden. Yep. One nil. Yeah. So I really like, um, I really like the team that Sweden can put together. I think they have one of the better young forwards um, in Isak. Uh, he's still lighting up La Liga. Um, so it'll be interesting to see. Um, I do, I can't remember. I might be misremembering, but I think Poland and Sweden played each other in the Euros. Um, So the potential for, uh, it's going to be an exciting match, I think, with Sweden and Poland, because you know Poland is much like uh, Wales. Everything is going to go through Robert Lewandowski, um, and he's just Mr. Do-Everything for them. And... uh, 
Sweden um, in the Euros proved to be a tough nut to crack. So, uh, yeah. So you you are correct. They did play, and Sweden wound up taking that one three two. Nice score one for Kyle. <laughs> yes, well done, sir. <laughs> so, so uh, talk you know continuing to talk about international. We got our very own boys tonight, Team USA versus uh, their arch rivals Mexico. I believe in the stadium Azteca tonight, going for I think three in a row, correct over Mexico. Whoo! Yeah, hoping, hoping. Yeah, the U.S. need this one in the worst way. Um, they cannot, they cannot miss this World Cup. You cannot miss two World Cups in a row. Uh, just ask Italy, but you you can ill afford to miss two World Cups in a row if you're the U.S. Given who you who is in your qualifying group, you know yeah. it, the fact that the U.S. doesn't um, just walk into qualifying is I think an indictment on U.S. soccer as a whole, but that's another topic for another day. Um, but, I mean, the boys are always up to play Mexico. We know what kind of match it's going to be. It's in Mexico, so we know what the crowd's going to be like. Um, and we need to we need to get out of there with at least a point. If we left there with a point, you know, I would be satisfied, but we need to – we obviously need to go for three if we can, but – the goal should be to, at a minimum, come away with points because it, it's uh, Estadio Azteca is it's high. You know the altitude and the the number of fans is over a hundred thousand seats. It's just it is it is a crazy raucous atmosphere. So one of those soccer cathedral kind of things. Yes. Um, as it stands right now, right? So qualifying for. Um, North America and the Caribbean, right? So as it stands right now, 11 games played. So we've got, what, two more? So we'll play two this go around. And then um, that will that will be it. So Canada right now is in first place with 25 points. The United States and Mexico are tied at 21 points. And Panama is right behind us with 17. So the top three automatically advance or will qualify for the World Cup. And then the fourth place spot has to play maybe, I'm trying to remember who we have to play. I think somebody maybe from Asia or from maybe the Oceana group as far as who gets that fourth spot, like there's a playoff between us and another conference or not conference, but whatever you would call that a region. There you um, go. So, yeah. So the United States is matchups. The, for the final two games are going to be, Oh no, there's three, I guess. Yeah. So we, we play, play Mexico, Mexico tonight. right? Play Panama, Panama on Sunday yep. and then Costa Rica on Wednesday. Yep. So Mexico plays us and then Honduras and El Salvador. So their run in is easier than ours. Yeah. This this match this match is very important, but the Panama match is crucial. So who does Panama play? Let's figure that out. So Panama plays Honduras. Right. And okay. Then so us, Panama plays Honduras. And tonight. then Canada. 
Right. So Panama plays Honduras tonight. So you have to figure they're potentially coming away with three points there. So that would put them at 20 points, which is why it is crucial we get at least a point um, tonight to at least have a two-point buffer. Um, and then we play them, so we could potentially put some greater distance between us. Um, so if we get a point tonight and then we beat Panama on uh, Wednesday or whenever we – is that when we play them? Thursday. Sunday. Sunday. So we play them on Sunday. We play Panama yeah. on Sunday. So if we if we if we manage to get a point tonight and three points against Panama, we qualify for the World Cup because that yes. would put four points between um, us and Panama with a game to go. So tonight is important. Uh, Sunday is most crucial because they are uh, potentially going to be one point behind us by the end of tonight. So. Yeah. So it'll be, it'll be fun and exciting. Jamaica, um, I believe is one of our losses is, is we have two losses. So, um, Jamaica got sneaky and bit us in the butt. So it's never easy with the U S men's national team. So, (laughs) so just to recap our little international window, um, Oh, take Wales, it back. We tied. Sorry. Yeah. Wales won 2-1. Sweden won 1-0. Italy lost uh, 1-0. Portugal won 3-1. So for the year for and um the Ukraine Scotland match was postponed. So for the Europe part of English uh, of World Cup qualifying for the playoff, we have Portugal, North Macedonia as a final, Poland, Sweden. Poland got to the final by virtue of Russia not being able to compete. And then Wales will face the winner of Ukraine, Scotland, whenever that game gets played. And then all eyes um, will be on USA, Mexico tonight. So, yeah. And then um, I think Japan punched their ticket today. I, think I believe is what so. I remember reading it. And then um, as far as South America, um, obviously Brazil and Argentina look very 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 solid to qualify um considering they are 10 points or more beyond greatest um competitors so they're really south american teams are fighting for that three four and five spot so um so as it stands right now it looks like it's going to be ecuador uruguay and possibly peru or colombia so we shall see but they have a game tonight and then um, one more, I think, in this round. Yeah. So it, it'll be probably be the most interesting international break we've had in a while because things are starting to come to a close. How, I mean, do you guys plan anything? Because, because the world cup instead of being in the summer is going to wind up being in the fall is the is the goal like the the game plan just to make the holiday break really really big are they starting early and finishing late so no so i think all the top leagues have come to an agreement that they are going to uh, bring their leagues to a halt for the period of the world cup which i think 
they've agreed to stop the leagues in late November and then probably pick them up after the new year. Um, so my guess is they're going to get they're they're going to get the entire World Cup done within the month of uh, December, most likely. Okay, so I mean to to make space for that, you try and start early, or are they just going to try and shove a whole bunch of games? Well, if you think about it, for so it's it's not going to be much different than the summer World Cup runs, right? The only difference is it's going to be in the winter months instead of the summer months. And the summer the summer World Cup kind of starts slow and then it picks up and then, you know, you blink and it's over. So I don't think they're going to have any issue with getting the games in. They'll most likely, it'll most likely take up all of December and maybe part of November. Um, and then they'll probably, if I had to guess, they'll probably have like a two-week break or so after the World Cup and then resume the leagues. So I, it's... It's interesting because we don't normally have to worry about this because um, the World Cup's in the summer and the leagues are over by then. But um, I know uh, the Bundesliga is used to this because they have a winter break every year. Um, they stop games in December and they pick them up after the first of the year. So it's this isn't a new concept for some of the leagues. Um, and I know the Prem has instituted a winter break, I think, this past year or the year prior. So um it'll be interesting i don't think it'll be an issue um well it'll it may have an impact on the back half of the season so it's going to be important to get uh results in the first 10 to 12 games because who knows what the what the legs are going to be like for some of the players the first couple weeks after the world cup (laughs) you know and squad depth is going to become a concern so we'll see so going from one great competition to the other, the Champions League draw was actually held last Friday, and we have the results here. We have Chelsea and Real Madrid. We have City of Atletico. We have Villarreal and Bayern, and we have Benfica and Liverpool. So we're going to start with Kyle, and then we're going to go around to Liverpool and then comment on the other uh, matchups. Kyle, are you happy with who you drew? Um, I'm happy from a footballing stance because I do think it's a – it'll be a good two legs. Um we played Real Madrid last year to reach the final. Um, and honestly, we probably should have won that both of those games walking away. Um, but we didn't, except the second game was uh, a little bit of a distance than the first game was. Uh, I, you know, I'm excited for it. I, I didn't want Real Madrid. I wanted one of Benfica or Villarreal, but, you know, we got Real Madrid, and instead of it being for a trip to the final, it's for a trip to the semifinal. So I think the boys will be up for it. I know Tuchel will be. Um, and based on how they played against Barcelona, we may be catching Real Madrid, <laughs> we may be catching Real Madrid at the right time. So. so, yeah, for those of you who may not be aware, their past weekend, um, the matchup, the, the big Spanish – matchup between Real Madrid and Barcelona definitely broke in Barcelona's favor this go around with a four nothing final which I would assume shocked the majority of the footballing world so yeah I was shocked it was shocked that was that been much of a blowout so so Eric what do you think about our draw 
Uh, I'm, I'm thrilled. I mean, if you're going to select a team, that's who you want out of the remaining, you know, teams would be Benfica, you know, um, I will say that we better be careful though, because showing up just to, you know, to show our faces on the pitch and think we're going to win because it says Liverpool, you know, on the front of the Jersey and the, the sponsor, they got another thing coming, but I do think Klopp wouldn't let that happen. I think we're, we have too much for them. Um, I like us to go through, but like a, a two, one, maybe a three, one count back at home with a reverse fixture. So like I said, we better play hard and hopefully have everybody fit. And uh, but I don't think it should be a problem. I think it's a, a dream matchup for us based on you know who we could have drawn. You agree, Jen? Um, I uh, kind of similar to Kyle. Like I wanted to pick somebody that we haven't seen recently, and it's been more than a minute since we've had the chance to go to Portugal. Um, which is definitely on my bucket list, which I unfortunately will not be accomplishing in April, which would be absolutely amazing. But um, yeah, I think it's, I think it's going to be fun. Um, I think it, uh, I agree. It's definitely not one of those matchups that you can just mail in and assume that you're going to win just because, but I, I don't think that the level of professionalism that we have um with our players and our coaching staff that that's that's gonna happen so um of the other two matchups which one are you guys most excited to see between Byron and Villarreal and City and Atletico I think for myself, I think I think City and Atletico because it's not a guarantee. We were talking about that, you know, before the pod started on on our chatter, but it's not a foregone conclusion that City advances. You know, Simeone is a master of sitting back. You know, they got a, a really nice back four. They have a great goalie in Courtois. I just, um, yeah, I, I, it's not a foregone conclusion. City. I mean, they might advance. You know, and try to sweat them out in like a. A one nil and maybe a two one with a late goal or something, but I'm definitely interested in to see that matchup. It just, 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 just a point of reference. Um, they do have a very good goalkeeper, but it's it's Jan Oblak. <laughs> it's not Oblak. Courtois. Take it. Oh, wrong, sorry, wrong bad. Madrid. Oblak, yes, he was. <laughs> Courtois was there for a time when he was at Chelsea. He was on loan at Atletico, but he's at Real Madrid. Yes, now. Oblak. Um, is, yeah, fantastic. So I agree. I think I think City Atletico is the most intriguing because you have Simeone, who we all know how he's going to play. We know that Atletico are well drilled in how he wants to play. And then you have Pep on the other side who likes to experiment with lineups and formations and different pairings. So I think it's going to be interesting to see how Pep tries to break down um, Atletico and Atletico have the players to score on the break. Um, Yao Felix is a very good young player. Luis Suarez is still doing a job even at uh, being over 30. Still Um, still Suarez. Yeah, you know, like I said, Jan Oblak is a very good keeper, probably top five to seven keeper in the world. So, you know, and I mean, Ederson is no slouch either. So it, I think it's going to be the most intriguing matchup. I'm interested to see how Villarreal do going to Bayern because, I mean, Bayern are just clicking on all cylinders right now. Um, they they cut through Salzburg the last round. Um, so, But Villarreal won the Europa League last year. Um, they played us really well in the Super Cup. Um, Unai Emery has them uh, ticking really well this season. 
So I'll be interested to see. I think both of those matchups outside of our own team's respective matchups are interesting. Um, yeah. So, but for different reasons. I think Atletico City is going to be a tactical battle, and I think Villarreal Bayern is going to be can Villarreal sneak a goal and defend well because uh, Bayern are they just have they have ballers at every position. So it's it's a that's a tough starting eleven to have to go against. So one of the things that I, you know, thinking about how this stuff plays out, um, and what league games you have tucked in between, um, you know, the the turnaround for the Champions League, the 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 turnaround from one game to the next gets shorter and shorter as you, you know, like you advance kind of thing. Um, and so Kyle, you guys have, um, Southampton tucked in between your two games, your, your two champions league games. So you have Southampton on that Saturday, we have city tucked in between our two. And so, but that also means tucked in between city having to play Atletico you know, once there, once at home, like they've got to play us. And so I think that the chaos factor for that could be absolutely entertaining. Um, right. So this is so notwithstanding April 2nd, because City played Burnley. So this is from April 5th to April 16th. April 5th is Man City, Atletico Madrid. April 10th is Man City, Liverpool. April 13th is Atletico Madrid, Manchester City. And April 16th is Manchester City, Liverpool. So you yeah. guys play them twice in the span of six days. Um, yes. And they have Atletico before the first match and uh, after the Between after the first, first and, and before second, the second. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. You, you both have equally tough sandwiched games. Um, yeah. But, uh, you know, I mean, and we can all hem and haw about how the schedule sets up. You know, some, some teams, it seems like they have an easier run in at the end of the season. Some teams have a difficult one in the beginning or some somewhat in the beginning, somewhat at the end, you know, it's, the computers pick the matchups. So it just so happened to work out that way. So it's, it's going to be real interesting to see how <clears throat> Pep uh, handles it, how Klopp handles it, because the, I mean, those are, that's, yeah. a, that's, that is a lot of high level football in the span of 11 days. Um, that's no shade against Burnley, but Burnley's not Atletico and Burnley is certainly not Liverpool. So yeah, it'll be interesting it's to see. Be- and then, if it makes you feel any better, on the 19th, we play Man United. Yeah, but who cares about that? <laughs> United suck well, ass. They care. I bet you they don't. <laughs> they might right they now, do. but not, not once the whistle blows. And then the week after that, we've got Everton. So <laughs> oh, Nice. <laughs> So, so let's get a let's get a round of predictions going. Who do you guys like to advance from each uh, each each matchup? For what? Uh, for oh, the for the League. Champions League. Yeah, yeah. Ooh. At this point, I've like I haven't even really thought about what I 
because I always struggle with who I want to win versus who I think is going to win. Um, I think, well, I, I think the easy answers are just iron, uh, like Liverpool and Bayern and City and Chelsea. And then good Lord willing, yeah, it will so. be an yeah. all England, another all England final. So I really would like you guys to, to beat City if you could. That'd be fabulous, Kyle. Yeah, I mean, so if we had to pick right now, I think I'm going to pick Chelsea. I, I I won't pick against my team, even if uh, all the all the information says I should. So I'll pick Chelsea. <laughs> um, I'm going to go Atletico with City, the City Atletico um, draw. Ooh. Just okay. because I, I, I mean, I've seen we played Atletico to get to the semifinal last year. Um, and that was, or it wasn't to the semifinal, it was to get to the quarterfinal, but we played them in the run up to our Champions League win last year. And it was, you know, it was rough. You know, Simeone only, he's, he's a lot like Bielsa in that he is very hard and stuck in the way he wants to play but he has the players to do it and they have the skill level to do it. Whereas Bielsa really didn't at Leeds. I mean, they play real hard, but they didn't have the skill level that Atletico does. So I think I'll go Chelsea, Atletico, uh, Bayern and Liverpool to make it out of how the have, quarters. How have Man City and Atletico never played? Because they that play, so they play, obviously they play in two different domestic leagues and then it's just the luck of the draw, you know? Plus, um, just, I mean, oh, city's relatively new, I guess. Yeah, city is city is a relatively new mainstay to Champions League, so to European football. Okay, fair enough. Yeah, I'm gonna go. Uh, I'm gonna go Chelsea, Bayern, Liverpool, and City. But it would not surprise me if Atletico. If Atletico happens to win, it wouldn't shock me at all. But I could see it going either way. I think City might have a little bit more depth than Atletico. They might have to dip into that depth and really, you know reach down deep, but uh, I'm picking City if I had a gun to my head, but it would not surprise me if Atletico wins. So, so speaking of Chelsea, yeah. Kyle, we got a, do you have an update for us on the Chelsea potential sale? How's that going? Sure. So Friday at 5 o'clock Eastern Standard Time, which was 9 p.m. UK time, uh, bids were supposed to be due. Um, to the rain group the rain group is the company that is helping chelsea oversee the sale um today is now thursday so we're almost a week since the bids were due um i don't think there's been an announcement of the actual official shortlist but today and yesterday groups that were not shortlisted. So that didn't make the cut. They mm -hmm. were being told that they did not make the cut. So for example, the Saudi media group, uh, their bid didn't make the cut. And now it's rumored that um, the Saudi billionaire is trying to get in with one of the consortiums that is rumored to have made the cut. So right now per Matt law, um, the three likely groups that have made the shortlist will be the Todd Bowley back consortium, which is um, him, Jonathan Goldenstein, who is a real estate mogul in the UK, and then a Swiss billionaire. I'm not even going to disrespect the man's name by trying to say it. 
Um, the Ricketts family, which I'll talk about in a minute, um, they are the owners, if you want to call them that, of the Chicago Cubs. And then the third group would be um, Sir Martin Broughton's uh, consortium. He is uh, UK-based. Um, I believe he helped or helped facilitate Liverpool's sale um, some time ago. So right now, per Matt Law, he's, uh, he writes for the Telegraph. He, he uh, follows Chelsea for the Telegraph. He is a very good uh, football reporter. Um, I love his articles during transfer season. Um, he seems to believe that the two bids to beat are the Todd Bowley and the Martin, Sir Martin Broughton bids, um, which makes me very happy, not only from a footballing standpoint, because I think the Ricketts are terrible sports owners, but from a humanitarian standpoint, because the Ricketts are terrible people. Um, you know, it's there's been a lot that's come out because they've put themselves in the limelight by making a bid. Um, you know, they are a very uh, Islamophobic, homophobic, any any phobic that you can think of. They probably are it. <laughs> um, and, you know, they were uh, large donors to Donald Trump's presidential campaign, his reelection campaign. You know, they just they are not good people. Um, and they're actually even probably they're worse people than they are sports owners, but they're terrible sports owners. They've run the Chicago Cubs into the ground, which is one of the most historic franchises in North America. Um, and you know, they claim that they want to do all, they want to keep the legacy of Chelsea. That's been, you know, that's come to be the past 20 years. They want to keep the winning ways going, but they don't they said the same thing about the Cubs and they just don't, they don't back their words with actions. So from a footballing standpoint, they would be bad owners from humanitarian standpoint, they're awful people. So the fact that they were shortlisted, but aren't likely to succeed, I'm okay with. Cause I imagine, I figured they were going to be make the shortlist because of the fact that they're, you know, they're American they have the money to do it. Um, but I'm hoping and praying and just, you know, on my knees that, uh, the club don't pick them as the new ownership group. Cause they are just, they're just awful from every standpoint, every conceivable standpoint. Um, and they're purportedly coming over to London to try and make a plea to the Chelsea supporters trust and the Chelsea's pit Chelsea pitch owners, um, who are the two main groups that are organizing a hashtag on Twitter called no to Ricketts. Um, so it's, it, it, it stinks of a last-ditch effort to try and make themselves out to be better than they are. Um, but thankfully, I think Bruce Buck, Marina Graniskaya, and the Rain Group will be able to see through it. So hopefully tomorrow we know the official shortlist, and then this can just continue to move along. Um, my, my preferred owners are still um, the Todd Bully Consortium. He's the part owner of the L.A. Dodgers. Um, so that's about all I have on that. Um, fuck the rickets and, um, there we are. Alrighty then. So that'll be good if you hit the Dodgers owner. They've been very successful as of, as of late. So that's good. And it seems like they're better people than the rickets. That's a win-win, you know? But yeah. I mean, you know, all the groups that are purported to be on the short list, um, have experience 
owning sports teams. Some actually run the teams like they should be run and some use them as a, a business, like a means to an end, a la the Glazers. That would be the Ricketts. You know, they've the Ricketts have basically taken every single tradition that the Cubs have had and have either spit in the face of it or just completely torn it from the fabric of the Cubs. I wouldn't be surprised if they ripped the Ivy off the walls next. Um, They're just, they're just, they're awful people. So I really, really, really want the next ownership group to own that owns Chelsea to just not be terrible people. That's bare, bare minimum, (laughs) please. You guys are, you guys are due some good people. I mean, so, I mean, I, most people probably don't feel that way, and that's fine. And you know, Chelsea fans have been showing their asses throughout this whole process, and you know, that some of them have very valid points, but they've been going about it the completely wrong way to try and make those points. Um, the most unified I've seen them on Twitter has been with this "No to Ricketts" campaign, which is good to see because it's "No to Ricketts" because of who they are as people, not necessarily sports owners, although that's come up, but you know, a lot of the fan base <laughs> is rallying around the fact that they're just terrible people, which is good to see because you don't, you know, you don't want to be associated with people that, um, you know, say Muslims are the natural born enemy. I mean, that's just not a normal thing to say for a normal, good human being. So. Yeah. I, I am behind you guys getting somebody that you can, get behind and not have to apologize for so that would be exciting and be proud of yeah that's great so from one end to of the financial spectrum for football to the other uh jen and i's favorite team liverpool actually came out today and i saw a couple videos on it they actually launched uh nfts actually for sale coming up if you know nfts are they are not they are non-fungible tokens and they're basically like a digital collectible that's kind of a limited edition so Starting Wednesday, Liverpool and Sotheby's, the uh, auction house, it's going to auction 24 NFTs depicting members of our squad as cartoon superheroes, each with detailed personalized to the player, like a signature gesture, like a reference to their off-field hobbies. Um, they're also going to sell limited edition NFTs with a generative art algorithm, which will mix and match photos. Um, these are actually going to be affordable compared to some of the other ones. They're actually going to be only starting the basic one, $75. Um, a lot of them are thousands or millions at auction. But um, the thing is, though, if you decide to go in and auction, try to buy them. We won't know which player uh, that you purchased till April 2nd when the sale finishes and the collectibles are like in your digital wallet. So um, purchasing or winning a bit of the, any Liverpool NFTs allow you to join the uh, LFC Heroes Club. It's an online fan community and fan hangouts. And a portion of the proceeds and future resale royalties will go to the LFC Foundation, uh, which is our official charity. So Jen, are you in? You're going to buy one? No. <laughs> like honestly, at this point, well i mean like it seems more like a ponzi scheme that's just like a like a new version and i could be you know like if you guys want to argue with me online like or whatever like i don't care but it just uh, i don't know like it seems super shady and it's it's not like a ponzi scheme it is a it's a Ponzi scheme. scheme. I mean, so. so it's interesting that the club is launching this because I think it'll probably be one of the better run NFT programs because the club yeah. is running it. But I mean, the whole concept of an NFT, it just it screams of money laundering. You know, these are you're, yeah. you're paying for to own 
to have a receipt saying you own this JPEG that's on the blockchain, which I don't even begin to understand when, it, you know, and it's, you know, you're buying these pictures for hundreds of thousands of dollars and it's just, it just, it screams of money laundering. And the, one of the worst things that's happened the past three months is John Terry had started up his own NFT thing. And mm-hmm. he had all these former and current Chelsea players, you know, joining it. You know, I think he called it the Ape Kids Club. It was it was similar to what Liverpool's trying to do now. And the value of it has plummeted. You know, Reese James and Tammy Abraham were originally linked with it. They've since scrubbed their socials of any reference to it. <laughs> you know, it's just it's 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 the new wave, new wave grift. And it's, it's, it's pathetic personally. Um, but I guess if the club is getting behind it and, you know, Sotheby's is a is one of the most respected auction houses in the world. So it might be run a little different. It sounds like they're going to try and make it affordable, but I mean, any NFT that a Liverpool fan buys, if they put it on Twitter, I can have that NFT in two seconds and have paid nothing for it. So the whole concept of it is really just gross. I guess part of the saving grace, though, is at least ours is part of the proceeds are going to go to the LFC Foundation, so that's cool. Yeah, I mean, at least they're doing some good with the money, which is why I think it's it's slightly different than normal NFT scam, for lack of a better word. But I mean, it's it's the same church, different pew. You know, their reasons might be a little bit altruistic, but you have fans paying $75 for a JPEG that I can save to my computer having paid nothing. And yeah, you can say, well, I own it. Well, cool. I have it. So technically (laughs) I own it too. So congratulations. You have a virtual receipt and a virtual wallet. So I'm, it's just the whole pro the whole thing is just pathetic. It's not odd. It's pathetic. Well, I, I don't know. Like, it was just one of those things where when it was announced, you know what I mean? You're kind of like, ah, why? Like, (laughs) there's better things. But anyway, it gives somebody in an office something to do. So that's fine. Okay. Um, Arkansas just beat Gonzaga. I don't know if you guys saw that or not. Yeah, my bracket just lit up in flames. So (laughs) Fair enough. So looks like Michigan's going down. So that's all right. Cool. Sorry. Um, I don't care. So, well, I mean, Charles may. Uh, <laughs> yeah, but who cares? So how's how's uh, Pickham looking, Jen? Do you have any kind of rundown on who you think might be, you know, first, second, yeah. third? or? Well, no, at this point, last week, I totally forgot to get the picks from the other guys. So last week was a bit of a wash. But we can recap the actual um, results from last week. So there were some Premier League games. Did you guys watch any of them? I don't think I did, no. I did not because Chelsea were playing in the FA Cup, so that was more important. Fair enough. Okay. So between uh, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday – um Leeds beat Wolves so that one was one of those it was it was actually a really exciting game to watch so going into halftime 
wolves were up to nothing. And so you just kind of assume, oh goodness, you know, this is going to be another one of those games for leads. Um, and then they came back uh, and um, Raul Jimenez wound up getting a second yellow. Um, and so he was sent off. So Wolves were down to 10 men. And then Harrison and Rodrigo and Luke Ayling wound up scoring um, between the 63rd minute and the first minute of stoppage. And so Leeds got a win, which is for the Lily Whites, very exciting. Um, kind of bummed that it came, that Wolves had to lose for that to happen. Um, Wolves capitulated. Our, they didn't just lose. It just fell apart. That, well, they were they were down a man. Yeah. Um. So, but I I don't know. Like, I'm excited for Jesse Marsh. That it seems like maybe, um, things are turning in a healthier direction. Um. So they've now won two in a row. Their next matchup will be against Southampton. Um, when we come back from the international break. So, you know, like, I don't know, things maybe or things are less dire for Leeds. Um, another, so the, on Saturday, uh, there was just one game. So Arsenal played Villa. Arsenal wound up winning uh, one nothing, um, And it was, uh, wasn't as easy a game to watch. But um, Saka wound up uh, scoring. Um, So the 30th minute, and then just they wound up playing defense enough to um, eke out a win. Yeah, keep Villa from getting any serious burn. Um, But yeah, like it was, it was, I mean, it was, it was an entertaining game to watch. Uh, Leicester wound up beating Brentford and Tottenham wound up beating West Ham 3-1. Yeah, I was surprised at that Tottenham result. Other two games. Me too, because I wasn't expecting Tottenham to win two games in a row. I didn't think they knew they could do that. <laughs> so, um, yeah, so early on, there was a own goal. Um, Zuma wound up being responsible for the first one, and then Son wound up getting uh, – a brace. So with uh, two Harry Kane assists. So I'm, I'm, I'm glad that that partnership is kind of reasserting itself because they're a lot of fun to watch. Um, so yeah, like I'm, I'm uh, the, the run end, like the, from once we come back from this international international break, um, I'm really interested to see how the, the fourth play, the, the fight for fourth place winds up playing out. So do you guys, do you agree that with the kind of current popular thought that Arsenal is in the driver's seat as far as that's concerned? Uh, yeah, because they have, they have three points on Spurs with um, two games in hand of West Ham and Wolves. Um, Spurs and Man United are both on 29 games played. So are Arsenal. Arsenal and Chelsea are on 28. So I think right now, if current results hold, Arsenal should um, continue to hold on to the fourth fourth place. It's going to be interesting because 
Chelsea's at 59 points in third place. There's a five-point drop-off between us and Arsenal. We still have to play Arsenal in our makeup game. But then between Arsenal and seventh place, which is West Ham, there's a difference of six points. Uh, And between fifth and seventh, there's a difference of three points. So it's really jumbled right behind Arsenal. Um, And you can even throw Wolves in there if you want to. They're eight points back Arsenal. It's not really, but, you know, between four and seven, there's, you got four teams fighting for one place right now, and it could jump up to uh, six teams fighting for two places or five teams fighting for two places if Chelsea drop points at all. So um, it's going to be a really, really, really fun uh, run in. Um, Chelsea have a very favorable, I think, very favorable run in. I think the hardest game we have on paper between now and the end of the year is probably Chelsea Arsenal and then uh, United always give us a always give us a bit of a bit of issues and we play them the second to last game of the season. So hopefully by then it'll be a foregone conclusion that we're in third or fourth place. Um, but it's going to be an interesting last uh, month and a half. So look it, part of what's really cool is looking at who like of the the big the scarier games left in people's um run into the end of the season. And and so Tottenham have us and let's see who else. They have Arsenal, right? So I don't know. I, like Tottenham at this have point, a very Tottenham have a very favorable run in. The hardest game they have over the last month and a half is you all. They play Newcastle, Villa, Brighton, Brentford, Leicester, Burnley, and they end the season with Norwich. So, I mean. That's very favorable. I mean, that is, that's, that's what you want at the end of the season based on how now Newcastle might give them a bit of bother. You know, we played Newcastle. It took us to the 89th minute to score and it took a a brilliant pass and a world-class finish to beat them, but we still beat them, but you know, it's, that's going to be a tough game, but I mean, Villa might One be a little th- tough, you know, there's, they have sneaky tough games, but they, if you on paper, they probably have the easiest of the run-ins of the teams that are in fourth, fifth, sixth, and seventh. One of the interesting things is one of the games that hasn't been rescheduled. It's a makeup game is Spurs playing Arsenal. So they actually have a head to head as well. Oh, do they? Oh, well, there you yeah. go. So that that could wind up being interestingly oh, decisive. Man, a, North, a North London Derby decide fourth place. That would be fantastic. The chaos. You thought you thought the battle of the bridge was uh, <laughs> rough and tumble. Let there be a North London Derby where the winner gets fourth place <laughs> with Antonio Conte <laughs> at the helm. Let that happen. Listen to Please. that laugh, though. You're like, yeah. <laughs> listen. Listen, the Battle of the Bridge, the year that we stopped Tottenham from winning the title, was probably the most fouled game in a non... I mean, there easily could have been two or three red cards in that game, and there weren't. <laughs> so you you take that, another London derby, their most fierce rival in Arsenal and Tottenham, both North London teams, and the winner gets Champions League spot? You kidding me? That That's what you want. That's appointment viewing. Because, you know, it, especially if it's a, especially if it's a, if it's a match where three points decides it, 
or you know a team needs to get yeah. all three points to win i mean you it's they're gonna go all out so yeah so yeah i hope that's how fun that times, ends fun times okay well we will we will put that request in with the football gods and um see what we can make happen so um some other news that came out um i think mike dean announced that he will be retiring at the end of the season. Yep. So um, nothing unites football guys... fans like the retirement of a ref. <laughs> <laughs> so um, yeah, I, I still think one of my favorite little video um, uh, like montages or whatever is him talking to the city players where they do the, the it has the wavy kind of um yeah. filter yeah. on it yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Oh, i know what you're talking God. about oh with the music and just all of it it makes it absolutely one of the greatest little clips viewing wise ever so it'll just it'll just give mike d more time to go support his local um there's a video <laughs> there's a video out there of him from a couple seasons ago of him just going absolutely mental in the supporter section of his local club. I can't remember who it is, but he was, you know, he was standing and chanting and just having a grand old time. So he'll now be able to do that without having to worry about working on the weekends. Nice. So. All right, Eric, take it away with what in the world of football and please make it happen. Please what? (laughs) Make it happy. Well, as the oldest member of the pod and and also being a teacher, there comes a point next couple of years where I'm going to be teaching kids of students I first had when I was first teaching. And that kind of reminds me of a story I came across today with the ageless one, Zlatan Ibrahimovic, Sweden's all-time records gold scorer. Um, He is uh, preparing to pass the torch. He plays with younger players such as Anthony Alanga, right, the United player. Um, they prepared for the World Cup playoff against the Czech Republic on Thursday, as we talked about earlier, right here on Five at the Back. And he started, uh, when he first signed, you know, first came into the team, he started thinking about it. He's like, wait a minute, he looked at it. I played with your dad at Malmo over 20 years ago. So he played with Anthony's dad over 20 years ago, and now he's serious. He's still playing, and he's still, you know, serious a locker next to his son, Anthony. So I thought that was kind of cool. But when you reach my stage of life, that's where it gets to, guys. It doesn't get any better from this, let me tell you. That is, yeah, I mean, that just goes to show you the longevity that uh, Zlatan has had, uh, for better or worse. I, I really can't stand the guy, but, um, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, he's had quite a career. Um, he's won it. He's, I mean, he's won everywhere he's been. Yeah, you know, he was at Ajax, and then, you know, he moved to Serie A with AC Milan. Uh, he's been with Barca, PSG. Wasn't he? In LA for a while too. He was in LA, LA for a while. Yeah. He was one of the first really big um, designated players in the MLS history. Then he came to United, um, and now he's back with uh, AC Milan. So, uh, yeah, I mean, he's he's been well traveled. He's a hell of a goal scorer. He's just a very arrogant. Uh, yeah, he is person. So, yeah. There you go. And on that well, wonderful my- note. <laughs> <laughs> yeah my friends thank you for spending another 45 or so minutes with us here at five at the back if you ever want to get a hold of us we'd love to interact with our fans you can hit us up at f-i-v-e-a-t-v on twitter 
we'd love to interact with you. And by we, I mean, usually it's Skip uh, cracking his jokes, but we would love to hear you uh, from you. Feedback, would you like to have us cover next? Um, suggestions, um, mailbag uh, questions, anything like that. We would love to hear from you. So once again, thank you from Kyle, Jen, and myself. Um, that is another week in the beautiful game, and we will see you all next week. Bye.